Anthony Edwards is having a great summer for Team USA. So, of course, we got to talk about how he's got to go somewhere else, right? No, we, we, we'll we talk about this whole thing. Plus, Team USA loses to Lithuania. Not a great look. Is Team USA in trouble as we approach the knockout stages? And here's a question. Should reporters root for the teams they cover? All that and more on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA. Your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your week. Appreciate you guys being with us. Hope you're having a safe and happy and healthy weekend. If you're listening to this on our live show, which we're recording on Monday afternoon, hope you're enjoying the holiday weekend, getting a well-earned respite from all of your work. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, hope your week's getting off to a great start. Short week anyway, so hey, there's that going on for us. On today's show, we'll talk about Anthony Edwards and the question of whether or not he's playing so well that, of course, he has to go to a better place now, and by that we mean a larger city population. Uh, we'll talk about Team USA struggles versus Lithuania and what it means. Uh, in particular, I want to talk to David about Jaron Jackson Jr. and his struggles defensively. Uh, and in the last segment, should should reporters root for teams? This is apparently a question that we have to talk about. Lots of stuff on, on the show that I wouldn't think we have to talk about, but we got to talk about them. Uh, my name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. I'm joined by David Ramil. He's co-host of Locked On Heat. You can catch that all throughout the week, as I expect a very busy couple of weeks for David as we approach training camp as the pressure ramps up for their um, not at all needed trade uh for damian lillard which we'll talk about on next week's show next that's next there's a little preview of next week because next week we're going to talk about the fact that they they better get this deal done or they're in trouble um all right let's start here today with anthony edwards though anthony edwards had a breakout summer for team usa obviously a disappointing result the other day in the last group stage versus lithuania but anthony edwards has been like the name the breakout guy for team usa he's been the guy and has elevated his game and has elevated his stock, I think the most of anybody with Team USA, even including Austin Reeves. So naturally, there there comes this question. And I forget who first oh, Pat Bev was the first one. Pat Beverly mm-hmm. on his podcast was like, he's too good. He's gonna go somewhere else where he can get more attention. That to me is more interesting. The athletic then followed up with like a discussion of those comments, and that generated a, a tweet that sparked a lot of commentary. Uh, I'm more interested from the Patrick Beverly side because that's a current player, David, reflecting this thing that fans tend to blame the media for. The reason the media, in my opinion, talks about the market thing is because the players have reflected this. Like the players have made it clear that they only want to play in L.A. The players have made it clear that they want to play in places where it's awesome to live with great weather and lots of uh, activities for them to attend at various points in their lives. The players, I think, have set the table for this. But I want to get your reaction. What was your reaction to the commentary that Anthony Edwards, at like 23 years old, still on his first rookie extension, uh, needs to start looking for a bigger, better location for him to showcase his talents? Just 22. I mean, three NBA seasons already and a star by almost any measure. Great player. And my first instinct is to say that how unfortunate it is. I know a lot of people might think, well, you're the host of a Heat podcast. That's all the Heat do is pursue superstars. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. That's what you should do in the NBA. So I can't fault the organization for having that mindset. As far as fans are concerned, well, I mean, Lakers fans, Knicks fans, you could any fan base, 
and they'll be happy to Photoshop any star player into a version of the team's jersey that they root for. So that makes sense. But I also think it's unfortunate that we're at this point right now where Edwards is just starting to get that kind of wide national and maybe even international claim. And the first thing that people mentioned, player specifically mentions, is that he needs to get out of there. And now I, I think to Pat Beverly's point, he alluded to the number of national television games that it's not nearly enough. Uh, Minnesota, not a team that gets a lot of national coverage. Well, you know, Heat fans feel the same way about the Miami Heat, that they're not a national TV enough, despite some of the notoriety that they might have gotten as a franchise. I, I understand that perspective. And, yeah, I don't know that Minnesota has not – I don't think they've necessarily done enough to warrant that kind of widespread national coverage. And, and so I think that kind of speaks to the organization rather than the player. Like I'd like to see Anthony Edwards on national TV more. I have league pass. I'm sure a lot of people subscribe to this podcast, have league pass because they're diehard NBA fans or else. Why would they be listening to this podcast? So maybe they get to see Anthony Edwards, but he's not a name yet that kind of has that, that, you know, your, your generic fan on the periphery that, that get that kind of attention from them yet. Maybe it's coming, and maybe we'll start to see Minnesota on national television more, but they need to do something more in terms of their overall win-loss record to get that kind of attention. He's not – he's a top draft pick, right? Sure, that makes sense. But he's just – he's not the big name, let's say, Zion Williamson was from a couple of years ago. I don't know that Scoot Henderson's going to be that guy. I, I imagine San Antonio's probably going to get a, a little bit more national television coverage than they have over the last couple of seasons with Victor Webanyaba on there. But I don't know. I, I – I don't like I don't like already the, the the idea of as soon as a player starts to get a hint of national recognition, already people start thinking, oh, he's got to leave Minnesota, whether it's a player or a fan base. I'm not personally a big fan of that. Yeah, I think it's abhorrent. I think that you need <laughs> abhorrent might be a little harsh. We need 30 healthy fan bases in the NBA. And one of the biggest things that holds the league back when you do research on like i've heard this from industry professionals when there are uh surveys conducted of sports fans in the country and they ask why you know how rank the nba why do you feel the way about the nba that you do those that rank it low are largely built off of this premise i do not feel that my team can win a championship and regardless you can definitely make the argument of like, well, you can, you just got to run your organization well enough and draft well enough and you, and you got to be good enough. And that's definitely true. It's less to me about the star markets getting those guys as it is about these teams don't deserve to have these guys. We can't have feeder systems. If you want to do that, we should have a relegation system, right? That's not like how the league is built. And ultimately how this kind of reflects is, if you're a Minnesota fan, why should you invest in the NBA? Because everyone, the players are telling you that right. you're not worth playing for because you're not on national TV. Why aren't you on national TV? Oh, is it because you didn't make the playoffs last season? No, wait, hang on. You did. Is it because you didn't make the playoffs a year before you haven't made it two years? No, wait, you did. Is it because you were a sub 500 team? No, no, you're, you're an over 500 team. So like, yeah, the wolves were not as good as they wanted to be last year when they missed Carl Anthony towns for five months of the season. Yeah. But if there's a problem with a with visibility for Anthony Edwards, that is not a Minnesota problem. That's an NBA problem. And on top of it, oh, so Pat Bev, like you feel that 
these markets like stars like Anthony Edwards are not getting enough attention. So were you in the MBPA meetings making sure that they legislated this out in the CBA so that there would be an equal distribution of appearances so that all of your fellow star teammates can get the equal? No, you weren't. No, you were just concerned about the money because that's what all of the CBA negotiations are about. That's that's what it's about. It's the same stuff here. Like, I, I don't understand um, the need to draw these kinds of immediate distinctions. But I, I will say, if we move beyond how I feel about it, I, I just wind up feeling, David, um, that the takeaway should be the players are part of this. Like, the players are not just like, well, we just, you know, we want to go to the star markets because that's, no, like, you, this is what you want. And until that changes, I think that most of this is is kind of secondary. And we've had some like really great success stories with guys like Giannis and guys like Jokic. But ultimately, like we'll see what happens with Giannis down the line. And mm. until and a lot of this just really does get into the central mar- the fact of if you're a multi millionaire professional, and I will note this black athlete as most players are. LA is a lot more fun to be in and a lot more comfortable to live in and a lot better place to live as would like my Knicks fans. Friends are always like, you can't claim that there's a bias. The Knicks don't get any free agents. I'm like, you have James Dolan. Like there's one thing hanging over all of this is James. If Mickey Harrison ran the Knicks, the Knicks would look a lot different. Like the impact would be a lot greater. Um, But to me, like that's the core of this is that this isn't a just an NBA issue. The players are, complicit if not the driving force behind a lot of the conversation of stars leaving markets for bigger ones can edwards become the superstar the nba needs in minnesota i think so i think kevin durant was as big of a star as he has ever been when he was in oklahoma city i don't think I, I don't think that durant was a bigger star in golden state or in brooklyn or definitely not Dallas. Um, he was already that level of star he was in movies and commercials and was a, a household name in Oklahoma city. Um, Giannis is approaching that level of like, I think that I've talked about this on locked on on nuggets about this with the movie and the TV or the book and the TV series or the movie rather with Giannis and the commercials. And just like, he's now approaching household broad crossover popularity that's happened in Milwaukee. So to me, you don't need to be on one of these teams and Hey, like a good example of this is that, you know, Bam Adebayo plays in one of these markets and still isn't probably recognized as much as he should be for his contributions. No argument for me there. Um, you know, Minnesota, a pretty big TV market, even bigger than Miami. I, I didn't realize that that was the case. But, yeah, I mean, Miami's not per se a large local market for television, uh, according to the NBA. But still, I, I just I agree with you 100 percent. I think becoming a superstar is less dependent on the market now and moreover about team success and things of that sort and, and how the team is run. So I'm glad that you bring up those points. And yeah, I, I mean, I can see why players would prefer possibly playing in those, you know, quote unquote, larger markets. But again, to the point that you just made, New York is not necessarily drawing players there and that's because of ownership in the team. So I think it boils down to an NBA problem, how these teams are managed. And it, it often comes down to it and, and in terms of, how the structure acquires players, what they do, how they treat the players currently on the roster. Look, players will and have forever talked about the teams that they play for. And and that's, I think, a bigger driving force than we as fans or media like to consider is how much they talk amongst themselves and say, no, 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 you don't want to play there. If Miami, despite having a negative 
uh, reputation, and some might perceive it as such for you know the the kind of work that they bring the players through, the way they force you to do extra you know laps or whatever, running and drilling and conditioning and all this stuff, all the the culture stuff that gets mocked repeatedly. They still do draw those free agents despite all that because they know that when they enter into an organization like the Heat, they're going to get coached well, and as a result, they're going to be put and, and held accountable and be able to cash in down the line. And that's that matters a hell of a lot to players. I mean, you can play your ass off in Minnesota and not necessarily get that kind of recognition outside of that. So I think that's a, a, a big part of it, too. On the other side, Anthony Edwards may be shining in the spotlight, but Team USA took a dip as it lost the other day to Lithuania. Jonas Valanciunas will talk about Team USA struggles and what it means for the knockout stage on the other side when we return on Locked On NBA. Let's talk about bird dogs. Bird dogs make you look good. Got a pair of those shorts. They're blue. They're beautiful. They're extremely slimming. They're going to look great on you. They're stretch khaki shorts, and they're designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They do the exact same things as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. These things are smooth as all get, get out. They fix the problem of a strict restricting cotton by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches. So you get way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. They use an anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. They're functional for any occasion. That's the best thing about them is you can wear them literally anywhere. I've worn them going to the store. I've worn them going out to meet friends. I've gone, I've worn them to the park to play with my kids. There's so many ways that you can wear these things. They're you're super versatile. You're going to be able to wear them to almost anything that you go to. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA or enter promo code locked on NBA at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Tuesday. Hope your Labor Day was great. This weekend, Team USA took an L. It was probably bound to catch up to him, but Lithuania managed to catch him behind Jonas Valanciunas dominating on the glass. Lithuania shot the absolute lights out in the first quarter, getting off to a big, big lead that Team USA was not able to come back from. Got it within, I think, four was the closest they got it back down to, but this was basically the model. Is Lithuania shot the lights out in the first quarter and then hung on because Team USA could not get that burst to get all the way through, and they got absolutely destroyed on the glass. Jaron Jackson Jr. struggled with foul trouble on some dumb fouls, which I can't believe he's still struggling with. Valanchunas dominated, all these types of things. Um, beyond what I know is going to be their reaction, because you cover the heat, which is, this is like Bam Adebayos, you know, on DPI which I don't disagree with, but we can just, like, move on from it. Is that me? Was that me? Is that my voice? Fans in general were like, like, Team USA loses, and the reaction is like, this is why Bam should have won DPOI. And it's like, guys, like, let's focus on Team USA. Like, Jaron's still an elite defender. We can chill out a little bit. Like, I think Bam should have won. Chill out a little bit. What was your reaction to Team USA's loss to Lithuania? Disappointing and not unexpected. Uh, You know, they've been playing with fire a little bit too often during the tournament. And, you know, it doesn't. 
it doesn't necessarily mean a death knell for this team. And I think they're still talented enough and they still have a, an elite enough roster where they can win the, the the World Cup at the same time. Maybe it serves as a wake-up call because something is different. And, and look, just last week, we talked about the Brandon Ingram situation. You asked me whether I thought they would make a change to the lineup. Both of us agreed that they wouldn't. And then again, they went, Steve Kerr went right ahead and inserted Josh Hart into the starting lineup. So I don't know what the next change would be, whether or not starting Halliburton over Jalen Brunson. That seems like the next uh, likely step. But the second the second unit has been so good in providing a spark, along with Paolo Baguero and you know, Austin Reeves providing a spark and things like that. It's been the key for USA success up to this point. Uh, I don't know what the next steps for them are. Again, I, I kind of... I'm curious because I don't think any of these players have been in this situation. Now they they can't gripe about the the FIBA officiating or the different rules of the game or anything like that. Like you've won in these circumstances, you've played tight games under these circumstances, and now you've had a loss. How do you respond as a group? How does Kerr respond and and make changes or motivate this team to kind of you know make make concrete the need to to play a little different style and, and to you know, not take these opponents lightly. Because even Anthony Edwards, as much as we like talking him up on the show, you know, he he said in reference to the two the past two opponents, sir, uh, was it Montenegro and of course Lithuania, we're not too worried about these guys. Well, maybe you should have been because Montenegro was a close game, and and Lithuania was a loss. So uh, maybe you have to take these opponents a little bit more seriously. And I wonder if they will. They got out rebounded by eighteen versus Montenegro, sixteen versus Lithuania, thirty four combined. Montenegro, they gave up fifteen more offensive rebounds and nineteen uh, more second chance points. Chicago Bulls so, hate watching the World Cup tournament with this version of of Nikola Vucevic out there. But I know he wasn't um, the only person responsible, but he's he's a heck of a player. I think. One thing I, I definitely think they should go to is I think that Palaban Carroll needs to play a little bit more. Um, I, I think Palo brings a, a level of physicality that they need. Palo's not like a, a, a world, like a, an elite rebounder. I do think just having another body out there will help to negate some of this. Um, I actually think that they should probably go to two guards, Ant, uh, Palo, and Jaron, because it's kind of funny that like Andre Drummond's been on these teams before, and you're like Andre Drummond, and it's like this oh. is this is why you have Andre Drummond, like that rebounder, yeah. Yeah, you just have a rebounder. Like this is part of it is like I don't think you don't need the same kind of the guys that I think they're elite in the, in the NBA. Um, I don't necessarily think are they don't fit Team USA's advantage in world competition, right? And one of the the biggest advantage for Team USA in world competition, the other teams have played more together, um, and yep. they know how to play that style and they move the ball more and it's less isocentric. Team USA's advantage is, is athleticism. So, and, and don't get me wrong, like Mikhail Bridges is an incredible athlete, but to me, you're playing a little bit into their hands when you're going small ball with Jaron, who's yep. still not a real five. Like he's just, there's a reason he plays next to Steven Adams. Like this is part of my thing is I'm like, guys, like the Grizzlies don't want Jaron playing full-time five. If his own team is like, no, he should play four, he right. should probably go a different direction. Um, you know, I think Bam would be a better rebounder because Bam's more experienced and a little bit more physical, but it's not like Bam is like an amazing, awesome top level double digit rebounder every night. So in the absence of that, to solve this in the short term and the team, yes, did, did qualify for the Olympics, but I, I do think that maybe playing Bancaro as a bigger power forward. Cause I liked how, I actually liked how Bancaro played in that game. Um, I actually liked how Jalen Brunson played, uh, 
versus Lithuania. I thought he pl- he played with, with intensity. The guy that really struggled was a guy that's been kind of a, a standout is Austin Reeves. He got bodied. Yeah. He just got, and this is something that the Nuggets did to him in the Western Conference Finals, which is like he's he's small. Right. When they were playing him at three, like when the when they announced that uh, Austin Reeves was going to play small forward in I think game two. Mm-hmm. of that series i was like this might be a wrap if they're gonna if darvin ham is gonna go down with the ship playing austin reeves at three they're not gonna have the size to get past the nuggets and we're seeing kind of the same problem which was like he just got bodied by lithuania yeah, it up. yeah. and so you know maybe they won't run into to that in the knockout stage we'll see who they play but italy is the first opponent there i'm not sure what their strengths are to be honest with you so i can't speak to that like but but you know it's it's kind of speaks to the roster building i know we've had this conversation at times but a guy like mitchell robinson like he, he seems like a good fit, right? Because I mean, he's a role player. He knows how to play just a role. Uh, he, he's a good rebounder, good shot blocker, and you don't have to worry about the ego or anything like that. And that's a great opportunity for him. But it's just not—it's not the kind of sexy name that a lot of people want associated with these teams after the 1992 Olympics and the Redeem Team and everything else like that. So, um, but but it's still a, a you know it's it kind of I think it forces Team USA to consider a little bit more. And maybe that's what they thought they were getting in Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, and he just. He hasn't been able to match that level of physicality. And I think it speaks more to those concerns from the Grizzlies fans and Grizzlies organization as to why he plays alongside Steve Adams and he's not a starting center. Um, yeah, so uh, do they have any other options? Like, you think it's Bancaro he should start alongside Jaron Jackson Jr.? Or at least play long stretches. I think that you, when you're, if you're facing a team with a, a center like JV and the kind of physicality that Lithuania brought, I think you need to match it. I think you not need, I think you need to not go the other way to counter program and be like, well, we'll go skill. Don't go skill. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, go back to physicality because they needed to win that game with defense and they weren't able to because they have a lot of defenders on that team, but they have a lot of ISO defenders on that team. They don't have a lot of, Team, team defenders i don't yeah. think on that team and, and right. that i think is part of the struggle we'll be right back on locked on nba Last segment, kind of wanted to talk about this question. You you wanted to talk about this. I'm going to let you set the stage a little bit, David, because um, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, over in college football, got a huge win over the weekend and was demanding acknowledgement from one of the reporters, a national reporter, asking him, does he believe over and over and over again? This has sparked a larger conversation on Twitter, uh, in part because of a, another thing that happened with, with a Colorado reporter who I respect. Um, but there's now like a, an ongoing conversation about yeah. the role of, of media and reporters in press conferences and when covering teams and when providing coverage, to be quite honest. And I think Locked On is an interesting combination of all these factors. I want to kind of get you to set the table on, on your thoughts on this whole thing. Well, my, my, my first thought when I suggested it was uh, the, the kind of inherent problem, at least in my perspective, uh, of a coach 
calling out a reporter for not being supportive enough. And, and I'll be the first to admit, I don't know what that original reporter in the press conference said about the Buffaloes. I don't know whether or not he questioned the hiring of Deion Sanders, whether or not they had a chance to knock off TCU, whether or not they'd have a good or a bad season. There could have been a million different things here. But it's problematic, and I think it's been a, an ongoing problem in the way that society at large kind of views media outlets as an enemy of sorts and that's really dangerous way of thinking and i know that media members like myself and others can be opinionated and can uh, be biased in their coverage i don't think there's any question about that i also do think that they are a trustworthy source of information and they should not be so when when sanders made those comments i like my concern was is this the next step now? Are coaches going to start calling out reporters like myself for not being supportive enough of the teams that they cover? Like, what is our role here as media if we're supposed to be just like, well, you know, X team is going to be really, really great. And this addition of this player is going to make this incredible change, etc. I, I think that's really problematic. And, and I think it also kind of speaks to disproving all, what a lot of coaches say is like oh we don't we ignore that noise they never ignore the noise they see all the goddamn headlines whether it's a team pr person pointing it out or somebody else in their family or a friend of theirs or acquaintance or whatever saying oh did you see what this guy wrote about you or said about you it gets to these people they'll find it on social media they'll find it wherever they get their news they'll figure it out one way or the other i think that's that's the reality too but i just think it's really dangerous for a coach to call out a reporter and be unwilling to answer their question or even engage in the conversation with them because they printed something uh, or said something about them that he found unfavorable to that point. Then it kind of evolved into that conversation about, as you said, the Buffalo sideline reporter, I think kind of saying something or a local reporter saying something about the Buffaloes and cheering on her team. Like she went to the university of Colorado. Right. And, and, and she also happens to be just a local reporter who covers the Buffaloes. And then I think it was writer Jeff Perlman who said, Oh, this is kind yeah. of a bad look. And it's kind of evolved into this greater conversation here. I, I don't think rooting for your team is bad. Like I I've, you know, I've studied journalism. I know that one of the things I was taught in ethics of journalism is, Oh, you can, you have to be unbiased. And I've learned that that's complete and total BS. Like there is no way of separating that bias because you're human. Now, I also think that you can cover the team that you may or may not root for in a way that appears to be unbiased. But every reporter, whether you root for that team or not, wants that team to succeed because it's inherently positive for them. Like if I cover a team that has a chance to go to the NBA finals, I'm going to get paid more as a result. Like that's just the way I'm going to get more coverage. I'm going to have opportunity to extend my season. You know, I've been talking about the Miami Heat through June, just as you have about the Nuggets, because they had a long regular season and postseason that that benefited us individually. So whether we root for those teams or not, and I know you happen, you're not a Nuggets fan, but you do like seeing the Nuggets succeed because you succeed as a result. So that's also something to consider. Like you don't have to root for that team necessarily to want that team to succeed. And I think there's nothing wrong necessarily, even in rooting for that team, because you can still cover it. I, I, I've called out the heat when they make mistakes. I, I laud them when they do something well. And I think I, at the same time, I don't act like a person who's just a fan of that team, even though I do enjoy their success. I think my answer to all this is that there's an ecosystem that surrounds a team from a media standpoint, too. And I think it's healthy to have a healthy ecosystem. Yes. I find that college sports in particular tend to have nothing but positive coverage of it. 
um if anything the players are the ones that wind up getting more criticism like writers will write right. critical pieces of the players and their behavior and their decisions and their maturity levels and the coaches kind of get a, a slide and part of that's because the coaches often have relationships with the media because they're going to be there year after year after year and the players are only going to be there at most four often less right um in the nba i think that's evolved a little bit to where now I think reporters have some reporters have really strong relationships with players and their agents. And that tends to be like the driving force for some of the coverage. I think a healthy ecosystem, I think it's possible to have reporters that are absolutely objective and just cover the team. And then to have entities that have a fan or rooting interest are supportive and positive that are also able to, accurately and fairly critique when it's called for what i think that you shouldn't have is one or the other i think it's important to not have the absence of both uh the woman in question here romy is like she's lead anchor for cbs colorado on tv she's extremely well respected in the area she's won awards um romy is is very well respected i've got nothing bad to say about romy's coverage what i have seen is i've seen an uptick and it's funny because I came from like the blog era where I had to kind of like, and I was one of the ones that kind of fight for the right of, of non newspaper outlets to be in the locker room, mm -hmm. but there definitely, there are fan entities in the locker rooms that cover the teams now. And they are solely positive. They're almost like a booster organization. And to me that it's okay for them to be present. I think, I don't think it's okay for them to be the only voice in the room. I think it's, there's room for, for, both of those voices to exist. I don't think it's okay to be like one is good and one is bad. Right. Yep. Um, I also think, I do think it's like really tacky and bad look to be like, if you were cheering in the press box and or in media seats, I'm just like, if you're there to cover the game, cover the game because otherwise you're in a fan seat and you should be in the fans and you should pay for your ticket. Um, otherwise you should be, you know, just covering the team and doing it. I got, I've like, I've been accused like a lot of being a Nuggets fan. And a lot of that is, Am I happy for the Nuggets fans that I've gone, come to know in Colorado? Absolutely, 100%. Do I have a familiarity with the Nuggets organization and the players, and am I happy for their success? Absolutely, 100%. Um, but I try and balance that with, like, I don't have strong relationships with any of the Nuggets players, and that's a mutual decision. Um, I would say that more strongly on their side than mine. Um, but also just, like, I think Michael Malone's a really good coach, but I'm not friends with Michael Malone. And so like, you want to be able to assess these things accurately and fairly. I think Brian Shaw was one of the um, mm. best people I've covered. He was a real, like, he's a really good man. Like Brian Shaw's a really good man. I also wrote, they got to, you got to fire him. He's a disaster. Um, when the Nuggets organization was bad, I ran a headline on CBS sports, which was the Nuggets are a train wreck. You have to be able to accurately do those things. And when you have such a positive relationship and you want to feed into like the idea of like positive vibes and we're going to keep it upbeat. I think you struggle to be able to do those things. The other thing is that the, being positive will naturally engender positivity from those individuals that you cover and that will en enable access. But then the problem is you are now becoming a mouthpiece for them. And like, oh, yeah. to be honest, like we see this a lot in the NBA and it, bugs me of uh, there are entities that are outright mouthpieces for individuals agents gms teams owners and 
from where I'm at, if your job, and I, I do believe this, the media's job is to be the conduit between the fans and the teams, which is that the fan, like the fans want to know like the good stuff and the bad stuff. And they want it to be like fairly critiqued based off of what you do. Like I, I have a lot of respect for Mike Singer who, who just left the Denver post. One of the things that Mike once said to me when I asked him a question of like, Hey, what do you think about this thing with the nuggets? He's like, I honestly don't know. He was like, I try not to have opinions about the team because I just want to cover them. And like, I have a lot of respect for, for beat writers that approach the, their job that way. I'm an analyst, which means I got to have like, I, I have to have for the career that I've evolved into, I have to have judgments and assertions. It's one of the reasons why I pick up a lot of negativity is I, I can't just be like, this guy's awesome. I, yep. I'm often like, this guy's awesome, but he's got some issues. There are right. some problems here. And so that balance I think is really important, but that's anyway, that's where I come out is um, I think there's room for entities. And we have a lot of folks on locked on that are in locker rooms that are fans, but yep. I think that you'll find that on most of the shows that we do, most of the shows that we do, you're going to find uh, a, a healthy balance of critique analysis and um, a respect for the job itself rather than for individual self-rooting interests. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a big part of it. I think from reporters, there has to be a, a level of professionalism, whether they come from a blog or not. And I think that's it's unnecessarily derogatory to just label somebody as a blogger or anything like that. Like, I mean, I started off with my writing there and I think it's important. You did too. And, and it's a great outlet to be as creative as you want, to be able to say whatever you want about another team without necessarily having the kind of access that we're both lucky enough to have now at this point. Uh, and I know you've had it for a lot longer than I have, but still it's just, that was the evolution there. Um, at the same time, like I also wonder about like certain organizations and even among the NBA that vet, the, the reporters that cover their team and, and deny access to others if they're not positive and favorable. And so that kind of ties into what Sanders did. And I think it's an unhealthy way of looking at it. I, like I have also seen some guys that come in there and they're just, they're so clearly uh, inexperienced or unprofessional and ask questions that are, might be seen as unprofessional as well. I know I've kind of rolled my eyes and, and, press rooms and kind of been like, Oh, why are you asking that? Like, I, I have no problem with these people trying to start their process uh, along their journalistic career or whatever it might be, even if you don't want to call it journalistic, but you know, you have to understand what you said, like you, you want to be a conduit. You want to be able to provide information about this team, both good and bad, not necessarily just, Oh, I happen to really love X player and I'm going to speak highly of him or her uh, whenever I get the opportunity to do so. Cause that's, that just that makes everybody look bad. But I will say overall, again, just to kind of sum it up, I just when I saw what Deion Sanders said, I'm thinking to myself, you know, number 45 from a couple of years ago in the Oval Office and uh, the routine bashing of media outlets and things of that sort. And it's just that was a bad look for me. I don't I don't I don't need a coach to get up there and, and call me out because what I wrote or said wasn't you know what something that they liked hearing and that's that just leads down to a really really bad road of seeing reporters and media outlets as the enemy <laughs> we've been there before in the 1930s it wasn't great so uh, study up on your history but wow 1930s wow what, what a drop there um <laughs> if i got asked do i believe by a coach or a player my response yeah. would be my response would be that i don't get paid to do that <laughs> like that's that's my response to that is like I, and as a matter of fact, like I get specifically paid not to believe it's not my job. So I think that's, and you gotta do your job. Uh, let's go wrap it up for lockdown NBA. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. Make sure to check out tomorrow. Jake Madison, John Corrales on Thursday. You got Nick Angstat and path of designer on Friday. David's co-host Wes Goldberg. 
alongside Adam Mares, my co-host over at Locked On Nuggets. Have yourselves a great weekend. Make sure to leave us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Like and subscribe. Go to YouTube.com slash LockedOnNBA and subscribe. Give us the old like button. Appreciate that. Have yourselves a great week, short week. And we'll be back with you next week with another edition of Locked On NBA. Mm-hmm.